Hello and welcome to an emergency episode of Take to Take, another one of our Lucas episodes. He was unable to be with us as this episode was last minute. Nick, you and I were talking last night. For those who don't know, there was news that broke out of the CHL. Maybe not the CHL, actually more Dan Carcillo, who said who actually filed a uh, class action lawsuit alongside Garrett Taylor on behalf of players who experienced uh, sexual, physical, and verbal abuse as rookies in the CHL. He released a statement, Nick, if you want to pull that up and we can touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to pull up the statement here. Obviously, a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it is very hard to read, very grim, everything. But at the end of the day, is it really surprising? Anything he brought up here is the statement from Dan Carcillo he made on his Twitter yesterday. He said, I commenced a class proceeding today against the Canadian Hockey League and its leagues and teams. It is on behalf of underage minors who suffered violent hazing, physical and sexual assault, and psychological trauma while playing major junior hockey. I was one of those kids when I played in the OHL. I know there are many more just like me. I believe this case will give those who were abused a chance to be heard. In my experience, sharing stories of abuse is part of the healing process. It allows a person to take the power back. I also believe that this lawsuit will create real positive change in the Canadian junior hockey. This type of abuse has nothing to do with the sport, and it needs to stop. So that is the statement from Dan Carcillo. Obviously, like you said, Pat, him and Garrett Taylor are the two uh, parts of this class action lawsuit. It is on behalf of 15 to 17-year-olds is the uh, sort of demographic there, the rookies of the Canadian Hockey League that have suffered this type of abuse, some of the ones he uh, has alleged there. So pretty grim stuff overall. I would say it's not happy news. No, and, and I was surprised it came from came from Ken Campbell of uh, the Hockey News as well. Usually any major news, especially of this degree, doesn't usually come from a, a network. Not to say the Hockey News isn't big, obviously it is, but there were a couple uh, screenshots going around Twitter of certain examples that individual ones that Carcillo faced, other ones that Taylor faced, and then you can only imagine all the other players who will come forward. Some might be afraid to come forward, but the article in deep, if you guys want to check it out, for those listening, um, Ken Campbell last night, 2,000 retweets, 2.5, actually 1,000 retweets, just lists every single example. Um, we can go into a little bit of it, but we don't want to talk about it too much because it is hard to read. I had a hard time uh, reading it last night, but I guess during showers, rookies were required to sit in the middle of the shower room naked while other players urinated, spat saliva and tobacco chew on them um, at least once. Head coach Perry um, walked in to the shower room while this was occurring, laughed and walked out. And, and I think the biggest thing, we look at this stuff, we assume hazing happens. We didn't, we wouldn't expect hazing to happen to this degree and to know that the coaches were in on it as well, not just the, the veterans hiding it from, uh, from the coaches, but the coaches being in on it, I think uh, it speaks to how messed up it was as well. Yeah, and the, it, like that's just the thing. Like half the, what, what you've read out there, it's terrible, but it's like not even the half of what is being yeah. said out there. It's probably one of the easiest to read ones, like as terrible as it is. Like we can't, we can't sit here and put it on the screen or anything like that or read out some of the different examples that Carcillo highlighted because it's just so, so unimaginably bad and everything like that. Like I couldn't imagine the levels of hazing. I, I like, again, like you said, we know that stuff goes on in the sport. Like I think that's been pretty common knowledge that that stuff goes on. Anybody who's played on a hockey team before knows that stuff goes on, but to that degree at that level right before the NHL, the league sort of level under it. Yeah. It's, it speaks volumes. And I'm sure one of the things that's going to come out of this is like 
what players from these sort of incidents went on to play in the NHL and reaps the financial benefit of the game versus those who underwent the psychological abuse and stuff like that and weren't able to wrap their heads around it and may have had an effect on their hockey career. Who knows? But And, and that's the thing with the term hazing. Hazing seems like a light term. And, and then you look into this stuff, like some of these players were forced to do cocaine. Some of these players were hit with cutoff sticks. They couldn't sit down. This one year, they had to bob for apples in a cooler filled with other players' urine, saliva, and other fluids. Some of these players were run into a wall. Some were knocked unconscious, I read. Some were, you know, had suffered severe concussions. And, and the thing is, like I mentioned before how, how the coach knew about this, Jeff Perry. Dan Carcillo tweeted, actually, Jeff Perry is still coaching children, by the way. He said, I've tweeted at Hockey Canada a dozen times. They refused to act. He was fired for abuse allegations in Sarnia and London, etc., but he is still coaching. So I think the one of the biggest things we should take away from this is people are upset that it's taking so long, but Dan Carcillo has spent the last five, 10 years building his platform on Twitter. Dan Carcillo has made an effort to change. And the fact that coaches and people within the CHL knew about this, but refused to act, I think shows the degree to which how bad this really is and how the CHL almost needs a complete overhaul in the way they run things. Because I understand those who've suffered from abuse may have a hard time speaking up about it. For those 16-year-olds who face that stuff and the coaches that were in on it, they're thinking, okay, well, we all experienced it. Coach, coach, coach saw it. He was fine with it. When I'm 20, if I'm still there, they're going to get the treatment too. It's a vicious cycle that's almost impossible to get out of. Yeah, and I think you made a good point when you talked about the term hazing, and it seems like a light term. And that's why I think we can't just say all this stuff was just the rookie hazing. Like, this is – Carcillo calls it what it is. It's abuse. It's sexual assault abuse. Like, it's physical abuse. It's everything. It's not hazing. It goes so much further beyond that. And, you know, as anybody – like, you and I, we've played on sports teams and stuff before, and, like, you know, sometimes the rookies are, like, the younger players get, like, a hard rap and stuff like that, and there is – hazing teasing and stuff like that um even like in high school and stuff like that i know like sport teams like through parties for like the grade nines and stuff like that to make them do dares and stuff like that but they not to my knowledge at least there was any sexual abuse physical abuse stuff like that like this just goes so much further beyond that and i'm sure hazing happens in other sports basketball football soccer whatever you whatever sport you want but I don't think it's to this level, which I find so shocking. And it's just, it comes, it calls into question uh, hockey culture, which we've touched on so many times on the show before. Um, and again, make of what you want of Dan Carcillo and his platform and his message. I'm not going to sit here and pretend Dan Carcillo was any type of a role model to me or anybody in the NHL, the type of player he was. He was a dirty player. He fought, he caused injury. That was his job. That's what he got paid to do. But I do find it at least admirable that he has worked and worked and worked so hard post-career to try and build himself a platform to try and better the game of hockey at the professional level and the amateur level like he is doing now. I don't think he's simply chasing money here. That's not it at all. What he's trying to do with his uh, concussion sort of issue with the NHL that he has as well as his class action lawsuit now against the Canadian hockey league. He's not chasing money here. I think he's chasing 
um, some higher level of reform and uh, overhaul at those levels because all this stuff that we're now learning, it just can't happen. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I was going to touch on that as well. You know what? Say what you will about Dan Carcillo. Like you said, he was not, he was not a, he wasn't a clean player. He was very dirty, but you have now, especially today with all the stuff going on around the world, the pandemic, the um, BLM protests, Trump in office in the States, you have ex NHLers who played similar, maybe not similar, but who played a similar style of hockey. Um, Brandon press is trying to make a case for police. Tony D'Angelo was tweeting about Trump. Zach Boychuk was, was tweeting about the N word uh, uh, months ago. These are ex NHLers who are, doing nothing to help move the conversation to help create an environment that's actually positive for hockey players. And you have someone of Dan Carcillo who was of that ilk of players who, who, who was kind of similar. I honestly think he of all of them has been a positive shift away from the toxic hockey culture to make an effort to actually be a better person. Um, he has said multiple times, I used words I never should have. I said things I've never should have. I've done horrible things to people, people I care about. Um, and, you know, he, he said interviews, he's gotten choked up. Now he's been a huge advocate for mental health, which not a lot of NHL players do. And I think that says something about how, you know, being in the thick of, um, of it and, and being able to experience all that stuff uh, has made it easier for him to come forward, I guess. I'm sure it's a very difficult thing to do. But um, I was shocked to see the number of replies to his tweet that was saying, oh, Carcillo is chasing a paycheck. He really wants to get paid someone starved for attention. It's like, well, you know what? No, he's been building his platform as an advocate for mental health. Um, like I said, he's changed when other NHL players, like Brandon Pruss is going on a, on a Twitter rant every other day, um, calling people stupid. He got in it, into it with um, JT Brown's, I think it's his wife. I don't know. His wife, his yeah. Wife, yeah. And it's like, you're not helping anything. Uh, if, if, if in this climate, you're making a case for police officers, Tony D'Angelo is making his case for Trump in a climate that is so toxic already, uh, it doesn't do anything good. And that's why I'm, I'm proud of Danny Carcillo. And I think he should be applauded for this. Um, I guess the question now is what is the remedy now? Because this stuff could be happening in other leagues. It could be happening in the NHL. Like you, know, like you and I talked about yesterday, you know, how many of these players ended up playing in the NHL? Are they still aware of it? Is this happening um, in other leagues? Is it happening in the NHL? Is it happening out in Europe? You know? Yeah. And I think it, the one point that I like that you made is, um, you know, Dan Carcillo has made an effort to admit his mistakes of the past. And certainly what he does now doesn't make any of that right. It doesn't make the fact that he said, like he's admitted to using like racist terms or um, doing terrible things to people that he cares about. It doesn't make any of that right. He's not trying to pretend that, what he did in the past is gone now because of all this. And that, that's not been his mission. I think often that gets lost in uh, the eyes of people and people don't see that. He's not trying to admit that none of what he did in the past is wrong. He's trying to simply learn from it and use that learning experience that he's had to educate others, to make sure this isn't happening, to make sure other people aren't playing or behaving off the ice uh, like he did and that's often something that gets lost and I really hope it doesn't because the message in this is so so powerful and I know there are 
probably like very few more polarizing characters in the online hockey sphere now than Dan Carcillo, because at this point it's either you love and support the guy or you hate him and you think he's a hypocrite, which I've seen that term thrown around so many times. And I think at the end of the day, what he's doing is admirable and somebody needed to do it. He's not the perfect person, but hockey needs somebody to be a voice of change. And if it's Dan Carcillo, then I'm glad it's Dan Carcillo. Like, cause somebody has to do it. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and that's the thing we talk about so much. Um, the toxicity that exists within hockey culture and stuff like this has definitely opened my eyes, you know, cause for us being in our, being in the program that we're in playing the sports that we play, watching the sports that we play hockey and sports um, has has been a great tool to bring us together, bring our friends closer together. Um, playing hockey together has been such a wonderful experience. So it, it really broke my heart to read that stuff, knowing that that stuff happens. Obviously, um, you and I never played sport or hockey, at least at a, at a high level. But um, it really, it was really t- tough to read that. And um, I think, you know, being in the midst of, of cancel culture, where you know the smallest thing can get you canceled. You know, someone like Dan Carcillo, um, when when people talk about what they've said, Dan Carcillo has said, I have said some truly awful, racist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic things that no one should ever say. And the thing is, he admits it. He never denies it. He says, I feel awful. I'm carrying the guilt, but you know what? You know, he's had concussion problems. He's had a whole, a whole, like, he's had a lot of mental health issues. And, and I think he's, um, he's really made the effort to change, but that's the thing is you, you can never really tell. Cause you look at earlier this year, uh, Mitch Marner, Mike Babcock, Bill Peters, Akeem Alou, you know, you look at these coaches and before you would, you would have expected that those two were some of the most respected coaches in the league. Um, I was surprised that Bill Peters was doing that. I was surprised that Mike Babcock was as abusive as he was. And you look at these guys, you only ever see them on the bench during a game uh, and then in the post-media scrum, someone like Mike Babcock was a vocal advocate for mental health, which is weird when you look at what he's done to Mitch Marner, right. you know, scratching uh, Mike Madonna before his, I believe it was his 1500th game, all this stuff that, you know, coaches play mind games and, and it's funny to see how they have this persona, you know, when they're not in the locker room with their team that, acts like they care about it but you know Dan Carcillo actually does I'm reading looking at his Twitter now um he he's looking to create a hockey abuse hotline yeah like no no very few if any have ever gone this far and gone to these lengths to make an actual change in a sport that definitely needs a complete overhaul in the way the players are treated yeah so often Pat like like you said hockey mimics real life socially and in the past year we've had so much with bill peters mike babcock akimalu like everything that you touched on now and it's becoming more and more important for players to come forward and speak about their experiences to help invoke change and i think what we've seen from dan carcillo now uh is a very very good step forward similar to akimalu and everything he's done now partnering forming sort of like an alliance group with several black hockey players recently in light of everything that's gone on in the United States. It's a good step forward. It's something that hockey needs desperately because 
I don't know how you can look at hockey and its culture anyway now and tell me it's not broken and there's something that needs to be, there's nothing that needs to be fixed because man, there's just so much even in the past year that's happened. And it's crazy to sit here and think about it. We could go on for how many hours could we spend going on now about everything that's happened the past year and stuff like that. It's just, it's unbelievable, but I'm very, very glad that Dan Carcillo has chosen this route and I'm glad somebody is doing it similar to how I was really happy when somebody formed the NHL concussion litigation and moved to challenge the NHL in that regard. I'm glad that Dan Carcillo is challenging the Canadian hockey league because 15 to 17 year olds at that age, you're so fragile mentally and stuff like that. And for a lot of these players, their first time away from home and to go through that abuse at any age, mind you, especially if you're young and impressionable, like those players are, it's just, it's heartbreaking really. Yeah. And I think, you know, hockey, you know, NHL, let alone the NHL, but just hockey in general is one of the most like crotchety conservative sports that exists. Absolutely. Hockey culture within is so harmful to mental health. And I got that from when I played hockey, um, like that stuff exists no nowhere near to this extent, but that's why I think it's good. But you look at the way the NHL deals with personalities. Look at the way they deal with a personality like PK Subban. But if there's a personality similar to PK Subban who isn't black, the way that I honestly think there is a way people are, are treated differently by the media. You look at ISS Hockey, for example, their um, their profiles on on um, you know the first round draft class. Every single player had a positive rating. Quinton Byfield didn't, and it yeah. seemed it almost seemed deliberate. And I know people are saying, "Well, why are you making it a race thing?" It's like, well, this almost looks like a race thing when when you have it like this. And um, you know, I, I'm, I keep reading. I have this the the list. Um, so Garrett Taylor, for example, he was sent down. That's in quotations. So I'm assuming it, it was with a purpose to the Junior A team in Canmore after the first two games of the 2009 season. He was referred throughout the leagues as the garbage bag treatment. So they were on a bus waiting to leave for a road trip. And before leaving, he was told from the entire team that he was being cut from the team. Um, So he had to get his bag and then leave. And then he was also sent down and had to fight people, fight people on practice. The coach demanded that he fight people and he was concussed during this. So this stuff, like, like I, I keep, forgetting about some of the stuff that's in here you know players were forced to to do drugs players were forced to drink until they they blacked out vomited this leaves people traumatized in a way that you know as far as we know doesn't exist in other sports to the same extent so i'm happy that there's more look there's a lot of work that needs to be done but seeing like you mentioned um African-American hockey players speak out even prospects Clinton Byfield said you know as a person of color this is what I want to see changed going forward it's a step in the right direction but the, the the scariest thing through all of this is that the coaches knew carcillo this isn't break this isn't necessarily breaking news because carcillo has been trying yeah he's talked about this before yeah. like he's been saying this for a while now now he's just put it in actual motion through a lawsuit yeah exactly but but chl um you know chl officials people people knew about this coaches knew about it upper management people around it the league hit it. They swept it under the rug and did absolutely nothing about it. And I think, you know, not to say, I think, I think the reason that's so, it's a bit more dangerous in the CHL is because you have 16 year olds playing with 20 year olds. Not to, not, not to say that this stuff can't happen at any level, but 
you know, if you're a parent, would you really want to send your kid to the CHL? Because like you said, they're not always with their family when they move. Right. You something like the U.S. National Team Development Program, you know, I think there should be more encouragement for children and kids or teenagers to play in college because a lot of them are the same age. Look at the U.S. National Team Development Program like two years, or two years ago with Caulfield Hughes. Those guys were close. And right. I'm not saying that, and you know, there's probably lots of stuff that goes on that we don't know about with, with coaches and, and hazing as far as that stuff goes. But at least even before this, people looked at the CHL as a garbage league. Right. You know, people, the CHL was not a league that was looked up to. I think um, the question now is what is the remedy now? Are players going to want to go there? Are they going to have to go through every single coach? Some players definitely aren't going to speak up, speak up about it because I think the ones who aren't going to speak up about it, who are victims of it, probably reinforced it to the next batch of rookies right right so, so we'll see what happens but um it really is some some scary stuff and i think that's the key in all this it is a class action lawsuit so that means other players are free to come forward 15 to 17 year olds are free to come forward and help provide more evidence in uh cases like this or add to sort of the lawsuit I'm interested to see what more comes up and if there's a lot more recent stuff that comes out. I think the one big turning point is if a current player perhaps came and uh, spoke out about stuff that goes on currently or somebody just a couple of years removed, because even to our knowledge, like we can't sit here and say like things we've heard about players because that would ruin our credibility. And it's unfortunate that it comes to that, but this stuff goes on. You and I both know, and anybody should know that this stuff definitely still happens. And I think that's the key in all this. Dan Carcillo played there uh, almost 20 years ago in the Canadian hockey league. And we can't just sit here and say, well, it sort of lived and died with that era. It happened before Dan Carcillo arrived in the Canadian Hockey League, and it happens now after Dan Carcillo left the Canadian Hockey League. And that's the key to all this. One thing I wanted to touch on, Pat, because we, we sort of uh, said it earlier, but I feel like a lot of the response to this hasn't been where it needs to be, where there needs to be a lot of media attention on it. Because like you said, uh, the Hockey News was the first to break it, really. Um, and it didn't really get picked up by... Sportsnet, TSN, until sort of after, at least a good couple of hours after. And it's still not being talked about. I think uh, Fan590 talked about it this morning and stuff like that, but that's not going to be something heavily publicized by them. And a lot of sort of the reception of Carcillo has been pointing towards the fact that he was a hypocrite, and we talked about that earlier. What would you like to see sort of change maybe in terms of the response to this at sort of the media level well that's the thing i wanted to talk about and you reminded me just by mentioning that you know this stuff has been public knowledge but got no traction from the media and right. look at earlier this year when mike babcock got fired apparently people on tsn knew about his abuse um but didn't want to lose their access to the media room and in Babcock's case, this abuse is abuse. All of it is bad, but you know, the, the Mitch Marner thing, you know, writing a list of players from hardest to least hardest working, showing those players, you know, that's messed up. TSN knew about this, but right. in order to protect themselves, which I don't know, maybe if you're in that position, your, your line of thinking is a little bit different. Um, they did not say a single thing about it because they didn't want to lose their access. So I'm wondering how many people knew about this, but just, bit their tongue to not say I'd love to see I'd love to see more 
more media members. Like we said before, it's a very conservative sport, um, very old school. I would love to see more media members talk about this. I'd love to see more ex-NHL players, current NHL players talk about these issues, whether it's racism, homophobia, um, any of these things that, that, that are so pre prevalent in, in, in today, you know, um, you look at, you know, once the, the domino started to fall with Bill Peters and then Mike Babcock and then Jim Montgomery resigned, I think this is, I don't want to say a wake up call, but it's giving coaches and players um, a little bit of awareness that this stuff is coming out. You better come clean or it's going to come out in a way you don't want right. it to come out. And it's going to encourage players to be a bit more respectful, to be a better ally and stuff like that. So I guess that's what I would want. I would like to see more media members do the right thing and, I mean, it's easy for us to say as not being big in media to, to say, well, no, just why can't you bring it up? Because you don't know what the repercussions are going to be. Right. But, and, and the biggest thing, and then the biggest thing I want to see, we were talking about earlier, is I want to see more ex-NHL players or just ex-athletes or athletes right now talk about it. You look at, you know, when um, the George Floyd thing started to gain more media attention, because at first it, it, took, it took a bit of time, yep. you know, it was more African-American athletes who spoke out. It took forever for Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid to say anything, but Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid are quick to defend other stuff when it's not about racism. Right. And I think we're supposed to talk about the, the white toxic culture that exists within hockey. That's something I want to see change because look, I like, I like Sidney Crosby, I like Connor McDavid, but these are not people who have done the best job speaking out against injust injustice. And these guys have a big platform. They have a lot of role models and, you know, when these guys aren't speaking out, it's almost in a way con condoning it because everyone else is making an effort. And when you have a platform that big, you really should be speaking out. Yes, absolutely. You, you, I, I totally feel like you have a responsibility. So yeah, I, I, I that's the big thing. I want to see media members, you know, um, talk about it. I want to see ex NHLers and current NHLers talk about these issues. I'm tired of seeing Brandon Press tweeting pro cop things. I'm tired of seeing Tony D'Angelo tweeting pro Trump. Things. I'm tired of seeing Zach Boychuk justify, you know, the use of the N-word. Um, I want to see more more people like Dan Carcillo speak out about this stuff because I think that's how we actually end up seeing more results and we end up solving the issues that are that are deep within uh, hockey's culture. Yeah, and we learn it so much uh, through our program at school. It's sport and media have a very, very symbiotic relationship. The two of them have to work together. This isn't going to be something that the NHL or any level of hockey can just move and change any issues regarding abuse, racism, homophobia, whatever you want. The media has to work with them because like you said earlier, if people in the media are fearing that they can lose their access for reporting on the fact that there's racism or homophobia, for instance, happening in NHL dressing rooms or in staffs and stuff like that, if they are fearing that they're going to lose their access to that, like, what does that say about hockey? What does that say about the media? Even Rick Westhead was the one who reported on this story for TSN. And he tweeted out after that he elected not to use any of the uh, direct examples from the lawsuit in his article. He chose not to do that. Whereas the Hockey News sat there and listed one by one by one everything that Dan Carcillo alleged. Yeah. And I think that's a total cop out from TSN not to put that because that stuff has to be public awareness because otherwise somebody's going to read that and think, okay, well, it's just some lawsuit. There's probably not much to it. They're not going to look into it. Nobody's going to sit there and read through the actual law papers like I know you and I both did. 
Yeah. Nobody's going to, a lot of people aren't going to take the time to do that. So I think the responsibility falls on the media, TSN, Sportsnet, especially the two biggest ones here in Canada to speak out and bring this stuff into the news and the media. And same thing goes with athletes. Like you said, along with the bigger companies, these athletes with their platforms that they do, like Connor McDavid, like Sidney Crosby, they have a moral responsibility to speak out on this stuff. They do. That's just how it is. People look up to them. And I think it's sort of swept under the rug, you know, how much change these players could actually inflict, especially these big stars, if they just spoke out. Like, for instance, I think Jonathan Taves, Certainly not the star that he once was, but somebody like him, he had one of the best statements about Black Lives Matter a couple of weeks ago and stuff like that. And he's somebody, for example, who's working very, very hard to try and change, but he doesn't have that same weight that a Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid has in Canada right now. So I think we need to see more effort from those players regarding anything, even things like hazing and abuse, like Dan Carcillo has alleged. Like if they were to speak out about things that happen to them, I feel like we those would get a lot more attention. But because it's somebody like Dan Carcillo, who was not a popular NHL player, it, it sort of gets not as much attention as it should. Yeah, I mean, reading the reading the replies, you know, usually the the nasty replies are hidden, but it's hypocrite. Oh, Danny's looking for another paycheck. All this stuff. There's not as much support as I thought. And there's also just not enough people talking about it. TS, the fact that TSN... We don't know who he went to, okay? That's the first right. thing to make clear. But if he did go to TSN, if he did go to Sportsnet, ESPN, and they decided not to, like if they're not going to share the Babcock thing about Mitch Marner, which is minor compared to this, they are not going to share this. And I think there needs to be a conversation in media, um, you know, for us, for example, it be, being in sport media that talks about how do you talk about these issues in a way that isn't necessarily offensive, in a way that isn't insulting. And... Um, I think that's the most disappointing thing because I don't know how many people get their news from the hockey news. You know, I read a bunch of hockey websites, but the hockey news is not my go-to. I wasn't following Ken Campbell before this came out. So right. for people, that's probably why it's not getting as much traction because, you know, Ken Campbell is not the go-to guy. The hockey news is not the go-to guy. So I really, really, really hope that TSN uh, picks it up. You know, I was kind of embarrassed for those at TSN who said yep. they knew about it, but didn't. You know, I, 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 where's Bob McKenzie, somebody like him who has a million plus followers and all this, somebody like Elliot Friedman, like the biggest hockey insiders for their respective uh, companies. Where are they in all of this? Why can't they uh, share these stories and stuff like that? Even, even something simple like retweeting or quoting one of these stories, uh, like the Ken Campbell one, and just speaking on it publicizing it on their platform that would be huge for it something so so minor like that and that's the thing that kills me it's so minor and I know you touched on it earlier and I don't know how much we want to get into this one but like we said some of the replies to Dan Carcillo were pretty nasty and stuff like that because like we said earlier it's a he's pretty much become a love or hate figure in the hockey sphere how much of that do we chalk up to his incident for those of you unfamiliar with Paul Bissonette of Spit and Chicklets and Barstool podcast a couple of months ago, where Dan Carcillo, essentially after months of sort of publicizing his thoughts on Paul Bissonette and some of the things he's done, Paul Bissonette turned around and decided to call Dan Carcillo a hypocrite openly. And somebody like Paul Bissonette has, as 
pretty much at this point as big of a platform as somebody like uh, a Bob McKenzie or Elliot Friedman. He has a very, very large reach. And he had just simply calling Dan Carcillo had the effect of, you know, turning a lot of people against Dan Carcillo or people that were unfamiliar with what Dan Carcillo's new platform was before sort of turning those figures against him. How much of that do you chalk up to sort of that isolated incident a couple months ago? Cause we haven't heard much about it since. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't know anything about that incident. I'm not, a, I don't, I don't listen. I don't watch or listen to pay attention to Barstool at all. No. Or like I've said in, the past i feel like some of a lot of the issues that we've touched on this episode like barstool does play with their uh sort of niche audience a role in you know enforcing sort of that toxic culture yeah go ahead well i'm I'm reading here so so i'm looking at the tweets now i found some of them so this is the one i was talking about earlier paul bissonette said remember when you used to call me the n-word in locker room every day and wilkes-barre remember when you had a swastika embroidered on your robe underneath your hood you wore in the national locker room um, until the captain talked some sense into you. Uh, welcome to the mud, Dan. And then Dan Carcillo said, I cleaned up my side of the street. I apologize to you for using that word in your direction. You accepted, accepted it months ago. And as I said before to you, the same day in exchange of messages, I don't know how, how to embroider and that never happened. Um, I wouldn't lie about that. So that's the thing. And then I'm reading up um, a little bit of a back and forth. Yeah, like I said before, I'm not really big on Barstool. I don't pay attention to them. I don't know enough about them to form an opinion, but I think there is something to be said about the toxic culture that exists within. I don't find Barstool funny. I don't see the, no. um, I don't understand why they have so much pull, uh, to be honest. You know, people who are like, oh, spitting chiclets, it's out all the time. You have to listen to it. I never understood that. No, not at all. So I think, yeah, I think it could it could come back to this, but you know, Bessonette has been known to stir the pot a little bit. And I think to see Carcillo, you know, Carcillo 10 years ago would not have had that response, whether he was, whether it was playing hockey, whether it was on Twitter, he would not have had that a response as composed as he had. And I think keeping your composure uh, speaks to the way that he's changed. Yeah. And here we are, like I just pulled up Paul Bissonette's Twitter here on the share screen. Like he's got a million followers, 1.1 million followers compared to Dan Carcillo. We'll go back to his profile here. Dan Carcillo has got 93,000 followers. The difference in outreach that these two have is astounding. And I think it's shocking and I quite disgusting, to be honest, that Paul Bissonette, with the amount of pull that he has in sort of the niche market that he and his employer have identified in sport and media, it, to use it the way he did to, as he put it, drag Carcillo through the mud, yeah. is it like it is just appalling that that's what it comes to and so here's one of the more interesting things that came out last night so sort of commonplace here we see like the above tweet somebody tagging paul bissonette like opening openly trying to get bissonette to respond and talk about this the way they did before which is snitch tagging on twitter which i know a lot of people did before which led to the first incident between the two a couple of months ago and carcillo responded saying paul is going to need to focus his attention on the defamation lawsuit coming his way so obviously inferring from that it seems like dan carcillo is going to be going after paul bissonette for the defamation because and i think he's totally entitled to do that because well that'd be a lot of would that be about the swastika thing? Because that's what he said. I, I, I think that's what it's going to come to because whatever it is, whatever parts Dan Carcillo wants to bring forward, anything that Paul Bissonnette like said on that day was he, Paul Bissonnette's a smart guy. You can make what you want again of Paul Bissonnette, the hockey player who was not very good. 
but Paul Bissonnette is a smart guy and he's proven that by building the audience that he has. And nobody can sit here and tell me he didn't know what he was doing exactly when he brought up those things with uh, Dan Carcillo and put that on his massive platform. Yep. Um, all those things and publicized that about Dan Carcillo to purposely harm Dan Carcillo's image, which is defamation by law. And it, in turn, it hurts any causes that Dan Carcillo are associated with. So like we said, now that Dan Carcillo is doing something very, very admirable, like bringing forth all these uh, stories of abuse and stuff that he and uh, other people have suffered, that now gets ruined because of the things that Paul Bissonnette said. So I hope I hope to see we see some more news and coverage on that uh, area of this whole thing as well, because I think that's pretty big. It's unfortunate that it has to come to that. But like we said, that a lot of media companies and personalities that have followers and fan bases have a responsibility to do, do better. You know, I'll, I'll just I, I've talked about Barstool on this show before, but you know, they've clearly identified, and you know this too, they've identified a niche uh, market in sport media and it's unique and they're very smart to identify that not so serious side of sport, which is great. But again, they use it completely wrong in my opinion. Um, and they could be using it to make a better change in sport, but they don't. And Paul Bissonnette sort of evidences that in what he's done to Dan Carcillo. Yep. I think that's the, that's the big thing we are talking about how there can be an overhaul in the CHL and hockey leagues in general, how players can speak up, but media has a responsibility they need, that they need to hang on to. Um, and I think that not enough, converse, not enough people are talking about how that's losing its value and how that's not being, that they're not being held to that standard anymore. You know, I was looking at Elliot Friedman's Twitter. Uh, he retweeted the article, no comments on it. Bob McKenzie has not retweeted it um, or commented on it. Paul Bissonnette has not tweeted or retweeted it. And these are people with platforms who need to speak out. But the thing is, I think with these NHL players, and we touched on it earlier, you know, if if Jonathan Taves or, or uh, Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid was also a victim of, of stuff similar to this, you know, now's the they, time to speak up. Yeah, they it'd be tough for them to speak up because they could have been someone who's also been abusing other people. We really don't know. That's right. the, thing. you know. Connor McDavid could be could be abusing someone else. That's that's the whole thing. We don't know because we only we know so so little. Being on the being on the outside looking in, and like I said before, like you look at coaches. You know, Mike Babcock was just this this vocal advocate for mental health who made a conscious effort to mess with players' minds. You know, and not yeah. just a little bit, like a lot. So um, I think there needs to be a complete overhaul in the way media covers this stuff, the way players speak out. Um, what the CHL and all hockey leagues and all sport leagues, you know, forget hockey, but what every, every sport can do um, to better the environment and make it a better environment for, um, for the people within. So yep. hockey needs to change. We've said it before. Um, in any way, we can't see any more racism, homophobia, abuse, any sort of bad behavior in the sport. It needs to go away. And I think what Dan Carcillo did yesterday and is, working towards I think ultimately he is on the right side of history and this is going to be hopefully looked back on as a turning point in the sport and stuff like that especially at the junior level with those young impressionable people and hopefully those who are either currently partaking in that behavior or have uh, been a part of that sort of system in the Canadian Hockey League NHL any league are held responsible because they deserve to be and that behavior it, it can't happen. 
Yeah, I agree completely, Nick. I think going forward, obviously this broke about 12 hours ago. So at least maybe we can we can pardon those who haven't spoken up about it, but hopefully they do later on. Yep. This is definitely not um, a conversation that will be finished here. We know that, you know, Luke will be back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about this stuff and we'll elaborate. I'm sure we'll have more updates by then. Oh yeah. And um, within the next couple of weeks for those listening or watching, since we're doing a video as well, uh, we will be having uh, Rain Hernandez on the show. He is a scout for the Oakville Blades at the OHHL um, and a media correspondent there as well. So we'll have him on. We'll be talking prospects and as for the Carcillo CHL case, we'll continue to be talking about that as well as the story develops. So thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time.